the reports come from? Did you get an initial? One pod vader. That's football. Every angle of the NFL covered. All that kind of stuff, I get it. This. No question about it. Is next fan up. We're going to unleash hell here in December. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Next Fan Up, the podcast by the fans for the fans. I'm Justin. I am the Seahawks super fan and the Sunday producer. We have another phenomenal week of football. I'm going to tell you right out the gate, that Saints-Rams game did not disappoint. Oh, my God. Even if you don't like either of these teams or you don't care about these teams, you have to check it out. You also need to check out Harry's Razors. Harry's has been our sponsor for a long time. If you want the ultimate anti-neckbeard defense, you got to go with Harry's Razors. Go to harrys.com slash nextfanup and you get a free sample. All you pay is shipping. You're going to get a weighted ergonomical handle. At the end of that handle is going to be a four-blade razor that is made in this factory in Germany that's been making blades for for 100 years. They seem to have it figured out. Even has one of those individual front-end like edging blades, which I absolutely adore. You're going to get a shaving gel that works amazing and makes you smell like a man. Even a handy-dandy travel cover. Again, go to harrys.com slash nextfanup to take advantage of that. That supports the show as well. We're going to start things off in another game that I think a lot of people have really been looking forward to, the Sunday night game, the Packers versus the Patriots. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Sunday night football, the Packers versus the Patriots, a matchup of two of the marquee franchise in the NFL with two marquee quarterbacks. The Green Bay Packers are represented by Brian. Brian, as you know, the Patriots emerged victorious 31-17 in a game that was really close until the fourth quarter. What are your thoughts right now? I feel like we ran out of gas. Uh, injuries started to pile up. Uh, we really played the game. It was a 17-17 tie into uh, the late third quarter, and we got a defensive stop. Rodgers is driving down the field. I think he's on about the 20-yard line, 30-yard line maybe. Handoff to Aaron Jones and just a game-changing fumble. Uh, really just as the momentum was starting to swing our way, and you could just tell the writing was on the wall. It was going to be hard to come back from that. The Patriots went down and scored on the next drive, uh, and then the Packers went three and out. So. Yeah, tough day at the office. Um, I thought we saw some good things initially from the running game. Um, Big holes. We're seeing nice six, seven-yard runs pretty regularly from both Aaron Jones and from Jamal Williams. Um, Belichick was making it tough on the passing game initially. Had really taken Devontae Adams away and forced us to kind of throw the ball to Jimmy Graham a little bit, throw the ball to some of the rookies. Um, but at the end of the day, the the better coach won, and I think injuries really, uh, aside from the fumble, were kind of the the note I would take away from this game. I think we lost Kevin King and Kentrell Bryce, and to hear Whitehead was ejected, and aha, Clinton Dix was traded earlier this week, and so just like we just didn't have anybody on our defensive secondary really able to play. We lost Blake Martinez for probably 
two quarters in the middle of the game to a, an ankle injury. And man, Brian Balaga uh, went out after the some point in the first quarter, and we had to bring in uh, probably my least favorite Packer, uh, Jason Spriggs. Uh, he actually played okay today, but you know, just a, generally a turnstile. So tough to tough to take on one of the best teams in football with a. A uh, healthy roster, much less the in-game depleted roster, and just trying to piece things together at the end. Speaking of coaching, let's talk about some of those razzle-dazzle plays that we saw from the Patriots' offense. They seem to catch the Packers' defense completely unawares with a couple of trick plays. Yeah, it was interesting. It was one of those things, I think, um, the last time the Packers and the Patriots played that we saw a little bit more razzle-dazzle from Green Bay. And uh, McCarthy and Belichick had a good long talk after the game was over, and Belichick was nothing but compliments after that game. And uh, they really flipped the script on us. They had a bunch of reverses, I think two or three reverses that were called to Edelman. They had a flea flicker in there and uh, a pass that was kind of wide right, but behind the line of scrimmage to Edelman, and then – uh, kind of an interesting concept. All their linemen just sort of nonchalantly shifted over to the opposite side of the field and set up this big blocking convoy for, I think it might have been James White. Um, but, yeah, they are a very creative offense, and um, we rely on our quarterback to create everything for our offense. Defensively, I've raised my concerns about your team a little bit, about sort of the diminishing returns of um... – Clay Matthews, um, and now that you've traded away what was one of the the highest uh, rated safeties, I guess still is by like pro pro football focus. Um, at three, four, and one, is this a signal that it is your coaching doesn't think that this is your year, or is this like folding shop? What's happening? I don't know. You know, the NFC North is really tightly packed. Um, I think. Like one game separated first place from last this week. And so I didn't understand the trade at all. Um, even if you think that he's not going to be back next year, you're still in contention for this year. And you're going to get, you know, a fifth round pick, maybe a fourth round pick back for him. And in return, we just got that pick a year early, basically. So I was not a fan of the trade. Um, you're right, Clay Matthews, diminishing returns. Uh, especially on the edge. He just gets washed out at so many plays. He can't turn the corner anymore. Um, I actually think his best position is probably going to be inside linebacker for us. I think we saw him a little bit there when Martinez was out and for a couple of snaps before. And, you know, he does kind of still pop off the screen. He's got this little uh, savvy veteran speed rush right up the middle and kind of get on the heels of the guard or the center before they can really get set. Um, so he's actually, I think, a candidate to move inside. But, boy, I think you watch this game and you watch Tom Brady stand tall in that pocket and pat the ball and pat the ball. And the Packers really did not have much of a pass rush outside of a few plays tonight. It was pretty consistently clean pockets. And that's a tough way to win against uh, Tom Brady. So, um, yeah, I think the defense is cause for concern. Um, young secondary I think we'll get better it's kind of the second game in a row I thought Jair Alexander played all right I think he had two pass breakups by my count and that's on top of five he had last week so um you know I think it'll be a painful year for the secondary um but hopefully hopefully if we are folding up shop uh 
we'll be better for it next year. I think we have a really important game coming up. Well, we played Miami at home this week. Uh, and then I think we play Seattle in Seattle. Uh, and then we play Minnesota. So if we can win two of those three games and one of those wins has to be against Minnesota, I think uh, we can still have a chance at the division. I am I don't buy the Bears. I think they're pretenders, and I think Trubisky's basically Blake Bortles. Um, that was going to be my but, primary argument for why you shouldn't get rid of Fawcett <laughs> and Dix. It was like, yes, you know, you're not in first place, but the first place team is the Bears. Let's let's be real. Yeah, the defense is legit, but man, I am not sold on that quarterback and. I think they've been able to get by with a lot of smoke and mirrors and Matt Nagy, uh, genius, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I'm not sold on them. I think the Vikings are probably still the team to beat in the division, and we've got an uphill climb now. There you have it again. The Packers fall. The Patriots win. Evil has triumphed. Brian, better look next week. <laughs> yeah, same to you, Justin. All right, Sunday action starting off with our first recap here. I am James, your Eagles fan, taking over hosting duties temporarily. I have Chicago Tom here on the line with our Bills fan, Rob. It was the Bears 40, the Bills 9, in a game that pretty much got out of control on some interesting turnovers. Uh, Tom, we're going to start with you as far as your input and thoughts of the game and how things played out today. Well, uh from the Bears' point of view, uh, you know, I, well, it's hard to it's hard to say it from the Bears' point of view without mentioning the Bills. <clears throat> you know, there were a, a couple of fluke turnovers that put the Bills in a pretty big hole fairly early uh, in this game in the first half. I mean, and from there on out, it was going to be rough sledding for them. You know, their defense by reputation is pretty good, and. They actually did a, a really nice job of stopping the Bears today. They actually outgained the Bears. Um, the, Bear, they, the Bears only had 190 yards uh, total, and only 126 of those were passing. So, you know, they did a pretty good job defensively of stopping them, but you can't survive the kinds of turnovers and, and mistakes that were made in this game. And, uh, you know, uh, uh so the the Bears, I don't want to say they got a gift. I mean, they still had, they still may have been the better team, but you know, it, it was going to be a rough game from the Bills from uh, fairly early on, as far as I was concerned. And uh, once they ended up in a hole, it became more hopeless than usual, I think, for them. Um, it, as far as positive things for the Bears go, the the one thing offensively positive that I can say is Mitch Trubisky actually looked better this week. The last three games, uh, it's been a tale of two halves where he's come out and really had some bad first halves where he was completely wild with a lot of throws uh, way over guys' heads. And uh, today, he did better. He had one throw like that in the first half. It was about six minutes left. But other than that, he was pretty clean and pretty consistent. He had another interception where it looked like it was way overthrown, but it was hard to tell whether it was him or just a miscommunication. But even given that, two really bad throws is a really a big step forward for him. And I think it's something, even given the miserable offensive statistics, it was something that the Bears needed to see from him as we sort of move into the second half of the season and they get pretty deep into divisional play where things are really going to start to count. All right, Rob, um, swing it over to you here. Uh, 
your Bills defense is pretty solid, you know, over the course of the season. Offense with Nathan Peterman starting today, I'm pretty sure wasn't setting your emotions on fire. Um, your viewpoint on how the game went and pretty much where it all went out of control. Yeah, I mean, I think Tom hit on it um, pretty well. People are going to look at this game and they're going to see, you know, 41 to 9, Bills got destroyed. And I am not saying that Nathan Peterman is a good quarterback. Obviously, he's not. But the first two interceptions, the first interception was definitely not his fault. Um, it ends up, he throws it um, into the hands of a new receiver to the team, uh, Terrell Pryor. He bobbles it. It ends up kicking up into the air, picked off, and, um, you know, they fair score from there. Uh, the second one, um, I think it was a bad play call. They threw, like, a terrible screen, and it was before the before the first yard, you know, you could hit someone. So, hey, you know, it was basically at the line of scrimmage. So they hit the receiver before he got to the ball. And then that got picked off and returned off the hit. And then uh, the third one, I thought that um, that Kelvin Benjamin just ran a lazy route. And at that point, the game was kind of over anyway. So, you know, people were doing that. And, you know, kind of is what it is. He's uh, obviously his reputation is that of a of a turnover machine, and you know when you throw when you throw three interceptions, you can't really say anything of that not being the case. But I feel like this particular game, he might have might have caught a little bit of a raw deal. He played actually when they were moving the when things like that were happening. I thought that he played a little better than I expected, uh, given how you know strong the Bears' defense, even though they were missing Khalil Mack, uh, running game couldn't get going at all. Um, Shady McCoy, man, it was a tough sledding for him all game. Um, you know, the Bills defense, I thought played, you know, reasonably well. Um, but you're just not going to overcome the missteps on offense. The Bills offense isn't good enough to have mistakes and, you know, they turn the ball over quite a bit. And when that happens, you're going to see, you know, you know, a score like you see today where it's, you know, 41 to nine. Yeah. And, um, just to follow up with you, uh, Rob here. You know, on Thursday's show, we were mentioning during the uh, previews some of the coaches that might be on the hot seat. How do you feel about your coaching staff after a game like this and pretty much what's been happening in the quarterback room since the start of the season, basically the off season? you know, trading Taylor to the Browns, drafting the rookie, retaining Peterman, um, then trading A.J. McCarron after acquiring him. It, it just seems like the quarterback situation really hasn't been one to help the team in any way, shape, or form since Tyrod Taylor was shipped off to Cleveland. Yeah, the, the Tyrod was carried, but I think that, I mean, that doesn't bother me because you look how he played in Cleveland, um, you know, before they brought in Mayfield. I mean, and you could ask Cleveland, you know, a Cleveland super fan about that. He's been rallying right. against Tyrod since he's got in there. I mean, he has his limitations as well, and I think they would really – I mean, the Bills have no weapons to go along with no receivers. They have $50 million in dead cap space. So they're basically starting every game going against a team missing 30% what the other team has, you know, from the get-go. The quarterback situation, because they were tight against the cap, they couldn't go and spend to get – you know, maybe a more legitimate veteran like a McCown or something like that. So they have to go and take a chance. They get McCarron. McCarron did not play well in Buffalo, uh, you know, in the preseason, so they shipped him off. 
Peterman actually did play well in the preseason, but once the season started, it was just it is the uh, it has been a, as bad as it could be, you know, at the quarterback position uh, with all the moves that they did make. Um, that being said, the offense does look better when much better when Josh Allen is in there. They can at least score a little bit of points. Um, as far as the coach being on the hot seat, um, I think this is kind of, you know, this was kind of the plan. They were coming out saying that this might not be a really strong year and it was going to, you know, they kind of alluded to it, you know, before the season started. Um, and, you know, the, the local media is saying that the owner, Terry Pagula, was well aware that this was probably going to be a tough year. Uh, the Bills did make the playoffs last year for the first time in 17 years. And the owner, Terry Pagula, is someone who is who has been loyal to coaches. And, you know, he just acquired the um, the Bills recently. He's only had, you know, two hires. Uh, but he owns the hockey team in town, and he was very loyal to the coaches there um, for feeding this regime with uh, the Buffalo Bills. So I don't think that McDermott – I don't think that they're going to move anyone. They're going to give him an opportunity um, with the draft class next year. With the ninety to a hundred million dollars in cap space, you know, with the with a bunch of draft picks that they got next year, um, you know, it's just going to be a tough year for Buffalo this year. It is what it is. Understood. All right. Final thoughts here, Chicago Tom. One positive thing uh, you took out from this game, aside from the defense playing lights out going into next week. Well, I, I do have one final comment. I don't know how positive it is, but the penalties in this game were terrible. The Bears had 14 for 129 yards. The Bills had 10 for 163. They can't be happy either. But I am going to say this to wrap up my thoughts on the Bears. I thought the positive thought was Trubisky's performance, despite the poor statistics. Um, if this team considers it to be a play, itself to be a playoff team, and that's what we hear, um, they're going to have to beat somebody good. And if they have that many penalties and they play like this, they're not going to beat the Rams. They're not going to beat the Vikings. They're not going to be a playoff quality team. So my message to them as a, as a, as the, as, as a fan is show me, man, because uh, right now I, I'm not convinced. All right. And uh, Rob, for you with the bills, um, we're still in the running to get Nick Bosa. <laughs> all right. That's all I got. <laughs> All right, for Rob and Tom, this is James, the Eagles fan, shutting this one down. The Bears win to take first place in the NFC North, 41-9 over the Bills. And one of our uh, games that was very interesting here, 1 o'clock, Chiefs and Browns, where the Chiefs come away with a pretty impressive win, 37-21, still rolling here. I have Ben, our Browns fan, and, of course, Nick, our Chiefs fan. Nick, as the victor, I'll give you the floor to go first. What did you see in this game um, that pretty much seemed like it was close early in the first half? Yeah, I mean, you said, I mean, it was just pretty much the Chiefs still rolling. But, you know, the, the Browns gave them a real fight. And, and as a Chiefs fan, you know, as a Chiefs fan who knows that their team is haunted, um, there, was, there, were, there were definitely periods of time, uh, especially in the first half of this game, where, there was the, the legit worry of a trap game. Although, I mean, I just got to say, like, I've never been as serene as a Chiefs fan as I have this season, just with Mahomes and this offense. And it's not just, you know, the fact that this offense can stab you in a number of different ways. And even if you stop them one way, they figure out another way to, to throw the, the left hook in a different direction or something like that. It's that Mahomes is just unflappable. The, 
the Browns' pass rush was getting to him, there were definitely things that, that Greg Williams, the interim head coach of the Cleveland Browns, was dialing up that was definitely getting into Mahomes' head, but this didn't matter. I mean, it's something, it's one of those things you can kind of get in Mahomes' head or at least disrupt him for uh, a couple of plays, maybe even a series, but it just it just doesn't matter. that this This offense is an unstoppable force, and the defense is going to have its lapses, but it just kind of doesn't matter. It puts teams in this position where they're in constant desperation mode because if they don't have an offensive drive that goes well, they just they just know the Chiefs are going to score the next drive. And so it's like you just got oh we got to go we got to do something. And I, I felt like the, the Browns did a good job of trying to stay disciplined, try to stick with the run, try to do the things that the game plan you know indicates are going to be good for them. But you know you just got to play a perfect game against the Chiefs, and uh, you know the Browns didn't quite come up to that task. All right, Ben, uh, your thoughts on the game, and uh, primarily the first half, I think the halftime score was 21-15. You guys had two late drives that, you know, made this game close before, you know, things turned in the second half. Yeah, well, while the box score may have shown that it was close, like, if you watch this game, in my opinion, I don't think it was ever in doubt from the very beginning. Uh, much of what Nick was saying, just in terms of um, the Chiefs just having total command on offense and just you know, I mean, to be honest, I can only think of like two passes that Mahomes threw that weren't completed. Uh, one of which was an interception right at the end of the half that was that was meaningless. Um, you know, it's just it's very much. I think the Browns' injuries were really coming into, into question. Demarius Randall, our starting free safety, who's been great for us this year, was out. We lost Enzel Ward and EJ Gaines, and so at one point we had linebackers playing uh, playing quarterback, and you know doing that against uh, Sammy Watkins and uh, and Hill was just a recipe for disaster. Um, and then uh, poor tackling was just really uh, was really apparent on this game. Um, some positives that I thought uh, uh, Kitchens, who's our new offensive coordinator, was u- utilizing actually uh, utilizing our talent. Uh, Duke Johnson got uh, several per, uh, several plays called for him, which was great. I mean, we, Browns fans have been calling for that for, I don't know, the last three years. Like, I don't understand. He's our best offensive player, and we're giving him, like, three touches a game. It doesn't make any sense. Um, uh, and then David Njoku also got several targets in this game, which is he's probably our second best offensive weapon. Um, so going forward, I'd like to see more of that. Overall, I was just impressed. The Browns offense looks better than it has in several weeks. Uh, but I think it's just – the talent disparity here was far. All right, Nick. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Was it the talent disparaging or the the Chiefs defense actually showed up a little bit in today's game? Because for the most part of the season, your squad's been involved in a lot of shootouts, scoring a lot of points, giving up a lot of points. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was clear who the better team here was. But, I mean, as Ben was saying, um, uh, Duke Johnson had a really nice game. He looked like James White out there, and they were using him the way the Patriots used James White, which is also a particularly good matchup against the Chiefs, who, I mean, the Chiefs' defense, they basically what happened is that they overcorrected on their, their weaknesses from last year. They could not stop the run a lick last year because they were constantly in nickel packages, running extra safeties, extra corners, um, and they were just too light to stop the run uh, because they didn't really, they just didn't have versatile enough and big enough uh, linebackers and front seven players. So they loaded up on big front seven guys. And now they're way too slow to keep up with running backs in the passing game <laughs> and, and tight ends as well. And and that's the big Achilles heel of this Chiefs defense because the, I mean, even though they've been giving up tons of yards, 
Um, they've been kind of okay in the passing game overall, but they just don't have linebackers that can run sideline to sideline with good running backs. And, and that showed up in this game. Uh, they also committed a ton of penalties, as kind of usual, but, uh, but guys like Duke Johnson can really carve up this Chiefs defense. The, the issue is, and, and it, it just, it, it's just kind of the one hand washing the other of the offense and the defense, is that the Chiefs' offense just, just does, it jo- does its job so well. They get up to such huge leads that other teams yeah. start abandoning that stuff, you know, and you just, you, you have to start going for big passing plays and things like that, which is the things that the chiefs do relatively well in terms of defending. So, you know, I mean, I think the, the Browns definitely have a lot of good stuff going for them, but it's just, you know, it's just one of those matchups where, you know, even if you have a strength against a weakness against this chief's team that can score at will, that's just not enough sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk to you also. I want to ask you about your own line. It's something that I thought was really funny when watching this game is you had three ex-Browns players on your offensive line in Austin Reader, uh, uh, Mitchell Schwartz, and Cam Irving. Uh, it was kind of funny watching Cam Irving get into it with the fans. I don't know if you saw any of that as well, but he was definitely, after one of the uh, Kareem Hunt touchdown runs, he's barking at the fans and threw something into the fans at them. Um, and it was really funny kind of seeing him ham it up. When I just looked, he's actually still rated as one of the worst guards in the league. Uh, but how are how are the other two ex-Browns <laughs> <players> playing? <laughs> well, I mean, Cam is, is he's played his way into a starting spot. I mean, um, and I think you know he may be rated low, but he's been overall, I mean, fine. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think well, he's not, he's not I mean, slowing I, you guys down, right? I mean, as like I, I don't break down you know O line film, but he's a guy who you rarely hear his name called, which is an O lineman. That's kind of what you're looking for from a fan's yeah. perspective. Um, but yeah, the it other, was fun. The other like funny he, thing is, uh, you guys, you guys have your other guard Wiley. I believe he's related to the Browns' uh, offensive line coach uh, Bob Wiley, who is the star of um, of Hard Knocks. So it's almost like you really have that would be perfect. Ex Browns. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, guys. I, I, I remember. I remember what you were talking about. Like where I think it was after one of those touchdowns, a uh, fan threw like their dog mask at at Cam yeah. Irving, and he picked it up and threw it back into the crowd. <laughs> so, wow, <laughs> fun memories. Um, Ben, I want to ask you how you feel about Baker Mayfield's performance overall in this game. Of course, you know, rookie quarterbacks are going to get all the publicity throughout the season. Um, final yeah. stat line here was 29-42, 297, two touchdowns and an interception. I saw he got knocked out of the game at one point when Tyrod Taylor had to come in. What was the injury, and um, do they yeah. know the severity of it? Yeah, so one of the, the injury was he got hit in the head that wasn't called uh, that wasn't called a penalty again by the refs. I forget who it was. It was one of the deep ninety one, I think, on the Chiefs. Like just target his head, and uh, I would imagine he'll get a nice little fine for that. Uh, but in terms of Baker's performance, I thought overall he was fine. His ball placement has not been good or as good the last couple of weeks. I mean, there were several passes. Like there was one pass where he threw to like Jarvis Landry, where he threw it behind him, and Landry had to adjust the catch. It was on like a crucial third down, and he wasn't able to get the first down. But if he had placed the ball better, he would have been able to easily have run. There were several examples of that during uh, today's game. But oh, you know, so I'd like—I I don't know if he's dealing with a hand injury or something else. But overall, I'd like to see him uh, perform, uh, get the ball placement back to the elite level, which is what I what I was used to seeing early in the season. Beyond that, I thought he was fine. I just I just don't think he has the offensive forces or the offensive scheme really around him to to really like even try and compete with, with Mahomes. I don't know. What, what, what did you think about his performance, Nick? I'd say basically the same. I mean, he, he was off target on a few things, but it's just, it, you know, it, he didn't have the weapons around him. And I think he's still sort of like learning on the job in a way that Mahomes didn't have to last year. 
Um, but I, I think, it was, I mean, it's still encouraging. I mean, this was, this was a game where um, just, again, based on the talent disparity, if, if as long as the Browns showed they had a fight in it, like that was kind of, mm-hmm. that's kind of the best you can expect in that, this one. Yeah. Right, final word here on the game. Um, Nick, I'm going to start with you. Uh, midway point of the season is where we are right now. Your squad is 8-1, and one, best record in the AFC. Of course, the only loss is to the New England Patriots. What is your outlook thus far along the season and for the second half going forward? Well, the, the nice thing for the Chiefs is that they have um, – th- this season was extremely front-loaded for them. I mean, to the extent that, you know, Pod picked them to be starting one and five, I figured they would be, like – they consider themselves lucky to get out of the, the first, you know, six games, three and three, and they're eight and one. And so, and they're now getting to the easy part of their schedule. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of home games and they had to play, you know, they get to play the Raiders twice, all that kind of stuff. And so they're, they get this sort of coast, which is going to be sort of interesting to see what they do. Um, they have some guys coming back from injury, but guys like Eric Berry, they may not actually bring back. I mean, they may just like just put those guys on ice for the playoffs and as a Chiefs fan, I can't count, you know, playoff wins before, you know, they're in hand, before they're hatched. But this definitely looks like a team that's going to be facing, you know, at least be in the AFC Championship game, and they're still the top of the conference. And so, you know, that, that means that the Super Bowl for the AFC side goes through Arrowhead, which is going to be pretty crazy. And it's a special season for the Chiefs, and it looks like the, we have the recipe in place for this to be the sort of seasons we're going to be looking at for a while now. So, the Chiefs fan, it almost doesn't matter what happens this year. It's, it's like because of Mahomes, we're just playing with house money for like the next decade and a half. All right. Ben, uh, your Browns 2-6-1, and one, obviously bottom of the division. Uh, positives and outlooks for the second half here? Uh, I'd say we got to continue to develop Baker Mayfield and uh, get him, uh, you know, uh, get his development going. I'd love to see us get some uh, young players like Higgins and Njoku going on offense. Um, you know, other than that, I think it's going to be – I think the next uh, eight or nine uh, – eight games for us are going to be pretty rough. Um, I'm, not, I'm not anticipating a whole lot of positives, unfortunately. I think we're, I think our kind of record is kind of set in terms of one of the bottom teams in the league. All right. And then Nick, James, again, the Chiefs' final score, 37-21 over the Browns. Thanks, guys. Yep, thanks, Thank everyone. you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, another 1 o'clock slate game here. We had the New York Jets visiting the Miami Dolphins final score at 13-6. We got Andy, our Dolphins fan, here on the line. And Andy, score aside, your defense was stellarly impressive today. Um, let you have the floor. Start wherever you want with this one. 
Yeah, sure. So first of all, this was, I think it's, I think it's far too often people say, oh, this is the type of game that, you know, set football back, you know, 10 years in reference to ugly, low scoring games like this. But this really was a game that set football back like 20 years. I mean, it was ugly. We rolled up only 168 yards of offense to the Jets 282, only seven first downs. Literally, we had seven first downs the entire game. Um, but the Jets only had 15. I mean, incredibly ugly, low-scoring game. But uh, we won because we forced a bunch of turnovers. I mean, that's been the Dolphins' MO this year, is that we'll get beat in a bunch of plays, but we'll force the turnover at the end or make the big sack at the end. Um, and we made ton- with four sacks, four interceptions, tons of impactful plays. We forced a number of fumbles on Darnold. They, they recovered them. Um, the Jets actually got bailed out in a number of different ways. This game didn't have to even be this close, uh, to be honest. But uh, pretty a pretty ugly game. It reminded me of uh, those old school AFC South battles. And when I say old school AFC South battles, I mean like you know Jake Locker versus like Blaine Gabbert, circa the early 2010s. That's like that's <laughs> oh, like the man. type of that. No, that's the type of feel that this game had. I mean, we all you have to know is this: we we snapped the football 63 times, and on those 63 offensive snaps, we came up with 168 yards of offense. I mean, it was just ugly. Well, I mean, Brock Osweiler was your starting quarterback today. Uh, what's the word on Tannehill as far as how much longer he's going to be out? When do you all expect him back? Hopefully he comes back next week in Green Bay. I mean, we're going to lose in Green Bay no matter what. But, uh, you know, hopefully we get him next week. But the, the Dolphins are being very sketchy about the, in- the, uh, the injury, and they're not really giving a definitive timetable, which leads me to believe that he's going to be out for a considerable amount of time longer. Um, that said, you know, Brock Osweiler is now two and two somehow. This dude has started four games and he's won two of them. Uh, so, you know, the season is very much, I mean, this is the way I look at it, right? The Dolphins are five and four. We haven't played the Bills yet. We're going to win both those games. I mean, I don't even think the Dolphins are that good, but we're going to be, we're going to sweep the Bills for sure. So we're going to win both those games. So that's seven wins right there. We play the Colts. The Colts aren't good. That's possibly eight wins. We play the Jaguars. The Jaguars aren't good. That's possibly nine wins. Um, and then, you know, so the season's far from over, but, uh, I'll be honest outside of a loss, this is probably one of the more discouraging outcomes, like an offensive output like that is pretty discouraging for the Dolphins. Well, you, with this win, you've swept the jets for the year. Um, and again, rookie quarterback, Sam Donald, not having a, you know, very good day. Like you said, the four picks, the difference in this game being that you took one of those picks back for a touchdown. I don't know if that was just, uh, soft coverage he misread or just an errant horribly bad throw uh, I did see the play it looked like he was trying to hit somebody in the, on a short out route and yeah it was one of the it was one of the poorest decisions I've seen a quarterback make this 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 year this uh this football season it was it was a very very you know but you know Jerome Baker the rookie linebacker at Ohio State picked it off and ran it back I mean he is having an incredible incredible season um, so he's, you know, there's, there's definitely room for improvement, but there's also a lot of room for optimism uh, on this defense. Uh, quickly on the defense, Cameron Wake. Cameron Wake is not done, apparently. I thought he was done. He had two sacks today, and, like, in addition to those two sacks, probably three other knockdowns and two other hurries. He was, I mean, he's a jet killer historically. I think he has, I think he has 19 sacks in 17 career games against the Jets or something like that. But uh, he had an unbelievable, unbelievable game. All right. Well, like you said, 
second half of the season coming up, you have some interesting matchups coming. You expect to sweep the Bills. Um, your chances of making the playoffs, uh, do you think you threaten anything as far as the divisional lead with the Patriots, or do you think this is definitely wild-card territory from this point forward? Yeah, I mean, we're obviously a wild-card team. Um, there's just – we're obviously not going to beat the Patriots for the division. We have a chance to beat the Patriots in Miami. Uh, we've actually beaten the Patriots in Miami at home four out of the past five years, which when you say that out loud, that doesn't sound correct. It's like, wait a minute, what? The Dolphins have beaten the Patriots at home four out of the past five years? Like, it doesn't sound correct when you say it out loud, but sure right. enough, it's actually true. Um, so we can beat the Patriots at home, no question. Um, uh, I, I'm personally, I, I'm budgeting that as a loss. I'm chalking it up as a loss, but you know, it can, it can absolutely happen. The toughest game, the, the, the toughest game remaining on the schedule is next week, which is in Green Bay. We are probably going to lose by 17, but uh, hopefully we put up a good fight and hopefully Tannehill plays. Well, the way you kept pounding Frank Gore today, you might have a chance of actually beating Green Bay. So um, keep your head up. <laughs> you know, it's a long season and anything can happen on any given Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Andy, thank you for checking in. Again, final score, Dolphins 13, Jets 6. As you all well know, Trey is the Panthers super fan. The Panthers took on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, let's be honest, smoked them 42-28. to 28. You managed to not be uh, sucked in by that Fitz magic. Uh, Trey, you Panthers are looking strong. The floor is yours, man. Tell us about this game. Yeah, so uh, we started out the game kind of gangbusters, went up 35 to nothing in in the first half, and or 35 to seven, I think. And uh, you know, it got a little closer than I would like. They did end up pulling within the touchdown, but overall, you know, our guys remained steady, played some uh, mistake-free football, and came out and with a with a pretty convincing win against a, a very poor-looking Tampa Bay team. Yeah, it's funny. I look at this Tampa Bay team now, and um, I can't even like conceptualize the fact that they are the one loss on the Saints record, which is just ridiculous to me. Uh, Cam Newton continues to play really, really good football. We talked about this last week, but this was another just outstanding effort on his part. I had a, had a, a quarterback rating of 133, um, two touchdowns, no interceptions, averaged nearly nine yards per attempt. Uh, he did his his normal big beastly uh, impossible to to come down, uh, adding another thirty three yards running. Why has he been so effective? Honestly, like I think the biggest thing this year is that uh, you know we've talked about this in the past, right? He's got these really high highs and really low lows, but this year the the lows have really been limited. Um, today he really played mistake free football. I felt like at one point in the game, whenever we were up kind of kind of big, that uh, the focus wasn't quite there. But still, like he's not turned the ball over. Um, I, I mean, that's I think that's the biggest thing. Like it's just an even kill football game. No matter what the situation is, it, it always feels like he's going to do the right thing. Um, that's, yeah, I, yeah, I and it's, it's funny too. It's more, if he has a boring game, it means you guys probably won. Oh, exactly. Like today, he didn't do anything like spectacular. You look at the box score, though, 76% completion percentage, like you said, um, 133 passer rating. Like, 
he had a great game today, but if you just watched the game, you would have been like, oh, what did Cam Newton do today? And then you go look at the box score, and it's like, oh, he played amazing. So. Yeah, then it t- turns out steady is okay. Um, speaking <laughs> of steady, though, Christian McCaffrey, um, man, he he is such a dual threat. Uh, a, we talk about players that can do both, but I don't know that anybody is so consistently like – almost like a 50-50 player is Christian McCaffrey. I think it's really him and Alvin Kamara as far as uh, I think the conversation starts and ends with those guys. I think both of them are kind of one of a kind or two of a kind, I guess you could say. Um, it does seem like an, it's such a strategic advantage because literally whenever he's in the game, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and they talk about it constantly during the Panthers broadcast all the motion and misdirection that we're doing. And none of that really happens without without McCaffrey in the backfield just because he can do so many things so well. Yeah, and, you know, just as a fantasy player who has him on his team, I love the fact that if he doesn't have a good running game, he probably has a good receiving game and vice versa. <laughs> so he's <laughs> he's always contributing something to, to my fantasy team. Um, really, really hot floor there. Yeah, right? Uh, defensively, Mario Addison, three sacks. I don't even know who Mario Addison is, man. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> so I think Mario Addison is a guy that if he played on like a, a in, on a different team in a bigger market, the more people would know who he is. But uh, he's been a contributor on our defense for a while. He's led our team in sacks for a couple seasons in a row. He actually got a pretty good con- – he was like one of the top pass rushers available a few years ago, free agency. So I, I – He's a guy that kind of flies under the radar because he's not like in order to get noticed in Carolina, you got to kind of light the world on fire. But he's the guy that just comes in, he gets pressure on the quarterback, and does a great job for us. All right, let's throw a bone to our Tampa Bay Bucks uh, fans. What did you see out of their team on the on offense and defense? Uh, honestly, with them today, it just seemed like uh, it's, they're kind of a conundrum, right? They have so much talent on offense, but mm-hmm. they they were never really in the rhythm. Um, I felt like our cornerbacks did a great job keeping the the playmakers from making big plays with Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. Um, it, it always seems like they're just kind of like sitting there about to do something, but I just didn't see any any rhythm or really like I, I guess that's the biggest thing. There's no chemistry. Uh, it seems like a team in kind of real disarray on defense. Uh, Outside of like some self-inflicted things and us not making plays, it just seemed like we could do whatever we wanted to do today. Um, I think it's uh, uh, it's about time for them to hit the reset button there in Tampa. Mike Evans only had one catch on ten targets, so that means nine times they tried to go his way and couldn't get the ball to him. Why was that? Uh, Bradbury did a great job on him today. He was draped all over him. Um, he really like every time the ball was throwing his direction. Bradbury was right there in his hip pocket. Uh, he knocked a couple balls loose, and then he also did a, a good job of getting inside the route and making uh, Fitzpatrick make tough throws and really being off target on some of those throws. Same being said for Dante Jackson on Deshaun Jackson. Um, he he had a great game today as well. Didn't get burned for one of those patented Deshaun Jackson, you know, one catch, 80 yard, and a touchdown games. Um, and then uh, later on in the game, he did a good job of kind of out-muscling Deshaun Jackson and getting his fourth interception of the year. That's another guy I feel like, you know, on, on a different team in a different market, you would see him a lot more often in the defensive rookie of the year conversation. 
I think he like is the best rookie as far as um, passer rating against, and he's also got four interceptions, so he's tied with Denzel Ward now. But outside of a handful of analysts, you know, you're not really hearing his name uh, in the in the media. So. so basically, if you play for Carolina and you're not a linebacker, nobody cares. <laughs> a linebacker or Cam Newton, right? <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Well, hey, congratulations on the win. You improved to six and two. You're sitting just right behind the Saints, who currently have the number one seed. So you are in the thick of it at this midway point of the season. So, man, enjoy the ride. Yeah, hopefully we we stay on it. We got the uh, the Saints two out of three weeks at there at the end of the season, and also the Falcons nestled in there in week sixteen. So uh, it's going to be interesting in the season. I don't know if I'll have uh, I'll probably have a head full of gray hairs by that point. So <laughs> way ahead of you, Trey. Thanks. <laughs> Take it easy. In an absolute slobber knocker of a match, we have the two NFC heavyweights, the Saints, which are represented by Chris, and the Rams, which are represented by Jared. Chris, I'm going to start with you since you were victorious. Your Saints did the the, the free world a favor by knocking off the Rams, 45-35. to 35. This is a game that was back and forth, um, tons of unanswered points. Just take it from the top. What in the world was going on? I mean, this this game had everything. I mean, you had the the Saints jump off the huge leader. Like, um, it, Ben Watson does a, a baby announcement in the end zone. He has Michael Thomas giving uh going full Joe Horn to after he uh, has a seventy three yarder against the Rams. One of the funnest games, if not the funnest game of the season. Uh, I mean. The listeners from last week will know, or already know, I picked the Saints to lose this game. I picked the Saints to lose against the Vikings, too, and I think maybe against the Ravens. So expect me to pick the Saints to lose every week until it stops working, because this has been fantastic. <laughs> uh, now, as as he said, the Saints went, went up to a pretty big lead early. Um, what What wasn't working for the Rams, Jared, and then what started to work late in the game? Well, it was a great game. I think the first four drives were all like 75 yards, like about seven or eight plays, touchdown, 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 touchdown. And then the Rams finally got a stop, and then they forced a fumble by Ingram, and then they didn't do anything with it. They faked a field goal. It looked like he might have got the first down, at least from my biased eyes, but um, tried a fake field goal. And then the Saints just went on to score three more touchdowns before halftime. And probably the big difference was the Rams had one um, turnover too, but the Saints turned that into points. So, um, but yeah, they showed they were in the middle when they were kind of struggling to get out, score 10 zero. They just weren't, the running game just kind of stopped. And Gurley was running great at the beginning. And then the Saints top rank run defense started stuffing him. So a little more predictable down in distance, but um but yeah, the and they clawed back to tie it up, and they hadn't. I almost thought it was a small victory when they tied it 35-35, and the Saints attempted like a 55-yard field goal, and which is total money. If you'd have missed that, the Rams would have had the ball at their own 45 with the game tied. But he made it, and then they forced the punt, and then of course the Michael Thomas infamous play where Marcus Peters talking to somebody hike the ball and run right by him and 
was talking to Justin earlier. It's like shades of Janoris Jenkins watching Marcus Peters make some great plays and then gambles too much and gets burned. So it's probably the Rams' biggest way right now is my secondary until um, until Akeem Tully gets back at least. Because, yeah, Drew Brees torched him. And obviously Thomas and Kamara had huge games. But, yeah, they definitely need to shore up the secondary. What was it defensively that allowed the Rams back into this game, Chris? <laughs> The Saints defense is terrible. Um, it, it, there we go. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> I, I'm not a big Dennis Allen fan. Uh, Dennis Allen all season has gotten away with, and I guess I should, I should be happy the Saints haven't lost this week one, but they continuously only rush three to four. And especially when you lose someone like Marcus Davenport for the, the next month, you, you're not going to generate pressure when you're only – only sending three guys and then dropping the defensive tackle into coverage, which, by the way, almost never works. And I don't know why he continues to drop this out. Um, P.J. Williams is he's, – he's kind of like the Ted Ginn of cornerbacks. He's going to make a couple big plays. But then, like, instead of dropping the ball, he's going to give up some really big plays. And, uh, you know, today, a really tough matchup for him with Cooper Cup, who's a fantastic receiver, and, and Brandon Cooks, who, you know, he's – making a lot of money in this league for a reason. So Williams gave up a lot of plays, but then made a, made a couple really big ones towards the end to, to seal it. Uh, the one thing that I will say that kept the Saints in this entire time is that run defense. Um, I did not expect them to be able to hold Harold Gurley. I, I think it's about 89 yards total today. The guy's averaging 100, almost 150. So huge, huge victory there. And I mean, this is a, this is a big one. So this was a really big one. We got Cincinnati next week. Um, you know, Carolina is very much nipping on our heels at the top of that division. So we, we can't afford to lose that game, especially, you know, even the teams like the Rams. They have to keep rolling. Defensively, Jared, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about that defensive line as well. Obviously, it's got star power for, for days, multiple first-round picks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, the thing that stands out to me, though, is um, – you had a, a total of four hits on the quarterback, at least based off of ESPN stats information. All four of those came from Aaron Donald. Um, is, is he a, a one-man show up, up front? Um, my, my concern, and I've expressed this before, is that you know it's, it's more famous than productive. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, Drew Brees was his normal just, dodging people in the pocket and there's so many times I thought they were going to sack and actually I feel like Dante Fowler he maybe didn't get any quarterback hits but he definitely pressured Breeze to throw it quick or maybe get a Donald hit but um, he was definitely a nice addition but yeah Sue and Brockers had quiet games in the passing game at least and didn't get any sacks and yeah that that was a problem although Breeze gets the ball out pretty quick but I'd say their their secondary is the bigger problem. I mean, it was just completion after completion after completion, and maybe some of that's just because Breeze had more time than they're used to. But, yeah, um, yeah, real tough game, and um, I'd be more concerned about the defense right now than their offense at this stage of the season. Touch on that really quick here. I mean, not, not to, to continuously toot the Saints horn here, but the Saints offensive line is, I think the best of the NFL. If the offensive line as a whole isn't, they have the best tackle tandem. Um, Ramchek was lined up against Sue 
for most of the game, and Sue was pretty much invisible all night. Um, and then Tron Armstead, if you watch, uh, I think two of Kamara's touchdowns came with um, Arden Armstead leading the way. So, Saints offensive line, it, Rams, Rams D-line is legit. So is the Saints offensive. It's, it's really impressive. All right, and Chris, we'll finish with you since you were the victor. Any final thoughts on this game? Um, no, I've been pretty long-winded as it is. I, <laughs> um, really, uh, there's, there's a lot of lot of debate about the the cell phone celebration. It did put the Saints in a bad spot with the 15-yard penalty, but this is a team that it's a young team. It, it's trying to put together some kind of swagger. That's what they had last year that got them to the playoffs. I don't hate it. And, and being an, an old-time Saints fan, remembering the Joe Horn celebration when it happened, I kind of love it. And I think, if anything, we need to figure out where he found a flip phone in 2018. I think that <laughs> might be the biggest um, the biggest point out of all of it. But, no, I mean, hey, Jared, you got a great team there in L.A. The Saints pulled out a big one, and, you know, 24-hour rule. You get to celebrate it, and, and then I get to be worried that the Bengals will be them next week. All right, there you have it. The Saints win in what will probably be, uh, in my opinion, an NFC Championship preview. Michael Thomas got a 15-yard penalty, but he went for 211 yards, so I think they'll forgive him for it. So, Chris, Jared, thank you guys. Good luck next week. Later, buddy. All right, thanks, Justin. All right, next game we have is Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And final score here, Pittsburgh 23, Baltimore 16. I have Don, our Ravens fan, on the line. And, Don, this rivalry going back over the last decade or so always seems to be somewhat of a nail-biter, highly contested defensive battles. And this year, both road teams win. Uh, your initial input on the game today. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, the past eight games, each team has won four games now. Um, my initial input is just that the Ravens just looked lethargic on both sides. Again, slow, um, uninterested. The Steelers came out to play. I mean, they didn't do anything fancy. They, you know, no end arounds or, you know, crazy plays. They just, you know, heavy dose of James Conner and just passes up the middle all day long. And Ravens didn't adjust, couldn't stop it. Um, you know, I'm still hearing the tailgate a lot after the game, and it's just it's miserable. So, I mean, I have a lot of things to say as far as the future goes, especially because, you know, Ravens are going into a bye week, and then they have – we're at home against the Bengals and home against the Raiders. So I think I think a lot of changes are going to be happening soon. All right, you mentioned a heavy dose of John Connor had 24 carries, 107 yards rushing, another seven catches, 56 yards receiving, and a, rece- a receiving touchdown. Um, Le'Veon who? I mean, this, this guy is pretty yeah. much yeah. Like the do-all for them. And he had a pretty good game the first time you all played, um, which is you know, no, much more I mean, high scoring on both sides of the ball. Um, looks like he might be a problem, you know, for years to come for your defense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they took the gamble, you know, that didn't, you know, didn't go for any, you know, the Le'Veon Bell contract. He obviously is still not there, but you, you go young and running, young and running back. I mean, James Conner's not like a, you know, bust out for a 50, 60 yard play, but man, the kid's just solid. I mean, we didn't see a whole lot of him last year just because Le'Veon just dominated the snaps, but he, he's you know, elusive, he's quick, and then he's, Unlike Le'Veon, from what I've seen of Le'Veon over the years, James Conner is like a all this guy's coming in to tackle me. Now, now let me go ahead and just lower the shoulder into him and just punish him. So the kid's been really impressive. And, I, yeah, I, I think he could be a, a problem for the next couple, several years. 
Now, and offensively for your squad, it really didn't seem like anything really got going. And when it did, it kind of bogged down around midfield. Looking at Joe Flacco's stats here, 23 of 37, 209 yards. Um, no touchdowns and no interceptions, but sacked twice for 14, uh, lost 14. What, what can you say overall about his performance and how he's, you know, handled this offense over the last couple of weeks? Especially today, he didn't see open targets. I mean, early, very early in the game, you know, Lamar Jackson with the, um, you know, the fake end around, and he was just wide open on the right side of the field. It was in our end zone where we sit at and just shouting and pointing at him, but he just didn't see him, which he said after the fact he was his fourth or fifth read. But, um, you know, he figured, you know, earlier in the season, he passed for, what, I think, like three, 360 yards at Pittsburgh and then just puts on this effort. I mean, we had both offensive tackles out, you know, Ronnie Stanley and James Hurst at, at the right side, which we know going into hand. I mean, offensive line just – not even just a tackle spot, but just got, just got bullied. I mean, that kind of just goes into my whole theory of, you know, maybe – might be time just to blow it all up, draft some offensive linemen, get younger, get cheaper, and see what they can do from here. Because I don't see a some kind of a spark coming from this team now to really turn it around, especially being four and five in this division. All right, indeed. Now, this is also a rare occurrence in this game like this. There were no turnovers. Uh, the Steelers' yep. secondary looked like they actually showed up for once, you know, this season. Um, yep. Containing your wide receivers, no one really got free. Uh, Final thoughts on the game, and, you know, I know you mentioned, you know, blowing it up and everything. I know it's midseason. You guys are four and five. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Steelers stuck to, stuck to their guns. They didn't try to go deep. I mean, they, they, they knew the weakness of the Ravens' defense. Lately has been right over the middle. Linebackers can't cover tight ends or running backs or receivers. And then you have to have you dress James Conner because there's just not, 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 not much of a rush. They had a rush occasion, occasionally on Roethlisberger, and they had one sack on him late in the game. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see it. It just looks slow, both sides of the ball. I mean, they have a lot of old defenders. I mean, they have, you know, Terrell Suggs, who I love, 36. Eric Weddle's older with the big contract. Brandon Carr's, what, 30, 31. So he's getting up there. Solid guy, but nothing great. And I think Jimmy Smith, with his big deal, I think Jimmy Smith, after his latest suspension and his performance this year is gone, um, Marshall Yonda, who, you know, right guard, he's been a great right guard for years and years. He's 34, and he's, he's on the decline. You know, offensive line was the one, the one place they could lose anybody, and then that's where they've been devastated at with injuries. So I think it's, you know, Flacco, obviously, with his contract, I could see him being a – with Lamar Jackson there being, being a cut or maybe being a trade of somewhere like Jacksonville where they could use a steadier hand at quarterback. Um, you know, the receivers are okay. Besides Crabtree, the other two are on one-year deals. I think it would be time to cut bait and stop being in this you know, salary cap hell and rebuild, get younger and quicker, and see what happens. But we'll see. All right, Don. Well, good luck next week. Uh, again, final score here, Pittsburgh 23, Ravens 16. All right, thank you. This is Justin, the Seahawks super fan, here to talk about a game that was just, just the worst. My Seahawks fell to those stupid Chargers. I don't even want to talk about it. 25-17. Honestly, the score is closer than the game was. It's one of those games where the Chargers were clearly just better from top to, to bottom in this game. It was Caleb Sturgis, the kicker for the Chargers, really, that kept the Seahawks in it. He missed a field goal, some PATs. Um, he left a lot of points on the board. And, you know, in a sport like football, that really matters, especially when it comes to sort of the math. 
of how you can um, tie up a game or take a late lead. The Chargers, though, outside of that, were really good. Phillip Rivers, ignore his completion percentage, because I know for at least for a lot of the game, it was hovering around 50%. Um, he was really, really smart with the football. He threw accurately. He threw... Um, he, he threw decisively, and he threw very, very quickly. And that's kind of the theme of that Chargers offense, and that's why the Seahawks defense, which played pretty well overall, um, still still ultimately struggled. Um, it's a good defense. I, I've talked about this all year. Um, it, it's, it's a good defense, and it's getting better. They were not prepared for the speed of this Chargers offense, though, and that really uh, threw them for a loop. Melvin Gordon would grab the ball cut and go or they would have they would run these sweeps sometimes a Keenan Allen that, that were really effective the passing game the same thing the speed of those wide receivers especially Keenan Allen w- was causing fits all day long for a a team that's largely young in the secondary including some guys who were playing positions like cornerback like Trey Flowers is for the first time in his life it's that read and recognition is a little bit slow they're good, athletic, strong players, but getting in the right position takes them a second. And when you don't have a step you can give on that, it really makes a difference. Bobby Wagner defensively, of course, was a standout again. 13 more tackles, three passes defense, and a hit on the quarterback. Uh, Jaron Reed and Frank Clark both uh, added another sack. Offensively, though, I don't know what to tell you. Russell Wilson didn't play well. Again, this is one of those ones you look at the stat line. Yeah, he had an interception, but the rest of it wasn't that bad. No, I mean, the truth of the matter is he was not running well when he did run for most of the game until he had one long 16-yarder near the end. He missed open guys. Uh, There was a notable third-down conversion, an easy slant route that he hits all the time that he just threw completely behind Tyler Lockett. The pick six was completely on him as well. Another out route for like a medium game where he basically ignored the cornerback playing the inside uh, wide receiver. Problem is that he passed uh, the receiver off to the safety and broke on the pass and pick six. I'm not super worried about it. That's only the third one of his entire career. So it's not like he is Matt shopping it. Um, and outside of that, he did make some really incredible throws like he does. He, he took some sacks uh, sitting back for way too long. It, it, it just, it's, I'm not worried about it. It's just one of those weeks where it, you know, if, if there's a bad rust, it was a bad rust week and it was not a good, a good week to have a bad rust week. Uh, they lost Chris Carson after only eight carries and boy, that hurt because the running game looked dynamite early. Uh, and as much as I like Mike Davis, he's not even close to Chris Carson. And so far Rashad Penny is frankly just terrible. Michael Dixon continued to punt really well for what that's worth. If we're looking at a bright side, Despite all these things, despite the fact that Russell Wilson was just off today, the fact that they lost uh, Bradley McDougal for a long stretch of the game, the fact that they lost Chris Carson, the Seahawks had a chance to tie it. You know, they managed to get uh, an untimed down at the end of the fourth quarter from the one-yard line, in which case they had to score and hit the two-point conversion. They weren't able to pull it off, but just the fact that they were in the game, it just it's a classic Seahawks thing. It, it wouldn't have been shocking to me if they had won the game in that situation because they seem to be able to pull rabbits out of their hat, but... Today, clearly, the Chargers were the better football team. Oh, happy day. The prodigal son returns. James, the Texans super fan. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Has found a moment in his globe trotting to bless us with his presence. What's going on, James? Oh, not much, man. I, I just got done with a quick visit to uh, Chiefs uh, superfan Nick's hometown, or not hometown, I guess, but uh, current residence in New York. Finished up the New York City Marathon. It was a blast, and it allowed me the chance to actually watch the Denver Broncos lose to the Houston Texans. <laughs> you you picked a good game to be able to uh, watch. Um, let's start off with Offensively, Deshaun Watson looks great. He's looked great these past couple of weeks. It has he turned a corner coming back from injury? What's going on with him right now? Uh, they they finally got to a point where the offensive line is doing a good enough job to allow him to be upright long enough to to find an open receiver. I I'm going to not be as optimistic as I want to be in thinking that uh, Bill O'Brien can scheme receivers open. Um, like the DeAndre Hopkins touchdown was a blown coverage. Uh, well, blown coverage is a bit of a bad term. It, they, they hit the soft spot in the zone, which is awesome to see a second-year quarterback do. Um, as the guy at the bar next to me exclaimed, how could he catch that or how was he not covered? There were three people right next to him. It turns out when you're playing against zone defense, you can find that little spot where there are three people really close to you and yet – really far away um you know it it was cool to see jordan thomas get schemed open on the first touchdown it was uh disappointing as always though to see the fact that bill o'brien managed to win based on the incompetence of the opposing coach i mean sometimes that's all you have going for you um the the broncos (laughs) at three and six obviously here are not going anywhere anytime soon case keenum their high price acquisition continues to be let's say uh, unimpressive, um, almost backup level at best. Is there anything that you guys were doing defensively that were, contributed to that performance? I don't want to put it all on just Case Keenan being mediocre. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the defense actually did a really good job of getting home. Um, Case Keenan made a great throw on, uh, to take the lead there late, or I guess early in the fourth quarter. Um, he, he threaded it between, he, he basically saw the hole before it was there and threaded it between two defenders. So, um, case as best he could do while he was being like hauled to the ground through a couple of passes away. Um, you know, it, it it was very much a a testament to JJ Watt making it back there, Javian Clowney making it back there. Um, just, and even if they couldn't make it back, they're just like staying at the line and jumping and swatting balls down. Like he had several passes that he had open receivers, but since the line was able to get up and knock a ball down or at least deflect a ball, um, it, it contributed to a bad stat line for him. So looking at the stat line, he obviously looks like a backup level quarterback. Um, sadly, having watched at least some of the 
we'll call we'll generously for, refer to them as starting level quarterbacks uh, the past several weeks. You can see that he, he is good enough to be a starter. Um, the, the line is letting him down, and then the, the play calling itself is letting him down. He, he's done a pretty good job, though. Demarius Thomas is an interesting guy. He was a Denver Bronco a few days ago, and then he, he's a Houston Texan. You mean the Demarius Thomas revenge game? <laughs> hey, three catches for 61 yards is not nothing. Um, so I want to ask you, first off, did he even go to Houston, or did he just wait? And, like to be picked up, did he get confused and go to the wrong wrong uh, locker room? And how did he look in his first game as a Texan? You know, as a Texan, he did all right in, in the first half. Uh, in the second half, it was it was a little bit worse off. He cost us a timeout, not exactly knowing exactly what was going on, and then also caused us a false start when we could have iced the game uh, before Brandon McManus thankfully iced it for us in uh, missing his kick. You know, he, he looks good. He's made a lot of good catches. They the, the Denver defense, it's as if they had never seen him on the practice field before because they were giving him, at least in the first half, they were routinely giving him like 15-yard cushions. And so what Demarius <laughs> Thomas did was he would run a nice little 10-yard out route and get a nice first down. And so just keep moving the sticks like that, which it's, I guess Denver was maybe in, anticipating Demarius taking over the Will Fuller role which as a 32-year-old wide receiver, that is 6'4", I want to say, it, it's not the role he's going to take over. He's not going to be the burner that just stretches the field. He's going to be the guy that runs the 10-yard out route, the you know, 5- or 7-yard out route, possession receiver, very similar to DeAndre Hopkins, which changes the offense. And you know, in the second half, you can see the adjustments by Denver to all of a sudden bring that 15-yard cushion down to a 5-yard cushion or jam coverage at the, at the, at the line. And, you know, it, it forced Bill O'Brien to do something he's not comfortable doing, which is change. And as a result, the offense, uh, offense for the Texans kind of ground to a halt. It's good to know that even when Demarius Thomas is on the other sideline, Denver still doesn't know what to do with him. In defense <laughs> of him, uh, spring up the play, to be fair, he's only spent about two more days as a Bronco than you or I have, or as, as a Texan than you or I have. So that is that is not unfair. That is not unfair. I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of nitpicking a little bit <laughs> at the same time, though. Uh, to answer one of your other questions, I believe you just stayed in Denver the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey guys, uh, got my jersey. Where do I go? All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've taken uh, the stadium tour. I know where the visiting locker room is. <laughs> right. At six and three, you are far and away on top of your division. And you have one of the better records in the AFC. What are your thoughts on the season so far, and how far can this team go? Like I said when we started, it's kind of been, been a, a little while. You've been traveling so much trying, trying to lock you down. Um, I, I want to get a broader view from you on your Texans at this point. I mean, we're kind of like the uh, flashy Cincinnati Bengals. Like, everybody can see us winning the division and then immediately going out the first round it's nothing different than what we've done two out of the past three years you know and well excuse me we beat an Oakland Raider team that uh did not have their first two options at quarterback and did not have their current top option at head coach so I mean clearly they were they were on the downside Uh, you know kind of going into the season and what um Dan and I talked about a little bit before Jordan rather and I talked about a little bit before, it, it comes down to whose quarterback in the AFC South is going to be the, the healthiest 
and who cannot Blake Bortles themselves the most. And right now the Texans have a healthy quarterback that is not named Blake Bortles, so they should be able to go rather far um, as far as winning the division goes. I don't see them ever being favored against the Steelers or the Patriots or the Chiefs, and so that kind of makes them this weird, kind of in this weird, like you're not going to make the AFC championship game unless you kind of get gifted by the scheduling gods. And even then, like, do you really want that to happen? Because you can kind of see what happened to Jacksonville when, you know, they, they made it further than they should have and kind of doubled down on the season that they probably shouldn't have. All right, there you have it. The Texans victorious over the Broncos, especially because the Broncos just gave one of their good players to the Texans. Even they knew this was going to happen. James, I, I hope your travel settle down a bit over the holidays and we get more of you on the podcast. All right. Thank you, Justin. All right. Next game on the docket today, Vikings-Lions. The Vikings come away at home with a 24-9 victory over the Lions. I have Josh, our Lions fan here. And Josh, after the course of a couple of interesting weeks with trades, uh, this game probably not what you wanted to see after all of that. Yeah, unfortunately, it was pretty much exactly what I thought we were going to see. And uh, that was just a whole lot of struggling offense. I mean, that's exactly what the Lions did here is just three field goals. I mean, the last field goal was like a pity field goal that, you know, I mean, it's like, why, why even risk, you know, trotting the offense out there for, uh, for anything else uh, once they were in that position there for the fourth quarter field goal. But the, you know, it was uh, definitely odd, like, um, like you said, after a week of trades when we went out here and got Snacks Harrison, and then I mean, he was obviously better uh, last week, and the run defense was, you know, markedly better with, uh, there were about two and a half times, giving up about two and a half times the yardage per run on the snaps that Snacks wasn't in there, and today... Uh, he looked pretty good as well on several plays. He's he's making a difference, but we turned around and then, you know, traded uh, Golden Tate to you guys. And uh, just kind of this game it had the makings of just what was going to be very low scoring. And I, I definitely think that that's what we saw here was just the lack of offense. We couldn't get anything going at all. Um, the There was some just – Poor decisions by Stafford in uh, the defensive touchdown that um, Hunter had was, you know, just a kind of a boneheaded play. I mean, there's really no way around that. And speaking of Hunter, I mean, the guy unleashed on us, he does every time he plays us. We can't block him, but Stafford did hang on to the ball uh, more, more than a couple times too many. I mean, they had 10 sacks. They set a franchise record. And uh, just going into last week's game, here I was, uh, me and Justin were talking about how great our uh, offensive lines have been performing, but definitely not the case today, James. Uh, we pretty much let the Vikings front four wreak havoc on Stafford, like I said, 10 sacks. So it was, it was definitely a game. We have more more sacks than points that you put up. It's a pretty sorry performance, and that's what it was. Yeah, and you mentioned a defense. You know, your defense didn't play too badly here. I'm not seeing much from – Vikings offense, Kirk Cousins only passes for 164 yards on 18 of 22 passing, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, the running game relatively held in check. Uh, overall, 23 carries, 128 yards. Dalvin Cook had 10 for 89. I'm, I mean, wh where did this game go wrong in your eyes as far as 
you know, the standpoint of, you know, aside from the offense, like, you know, 24, like 24 points, we know that there was a fumble return for a touchdown on, you know, like I said, probably a, a very boneheaded play uh, on that pitch back to, you know, try to, you know, garner more yards late in the, in the game early in the fourth quarter. But I mean, where, where, where did the scoring come from? If it doesn't, I mean, like I said, you look at the box sheet, the Vikings don't look like they did much of anything on offense, but you know, statistically they have that they, they don't have the yardage to match up with the points. Yeah, they they really didn't move the ball that great. Darius Slay was questionable coming into this game, but he ended up playing, and the Vikings were down Stephon Diggs. Um, most of the Vikings' yardage, honestly, James, it came on the um, – or I should say most of the rushing yardage came on one play where Dalvin Cook got them down into the red zone, and that was uh, right when they scored the uh, second touchdown there, and that one was for the, um, the one to Thielen, the two-yard touchdown. So Thielen uh, barely did anything uh, today other than that touchdown. And, of course, coming in, he had eight uh, games in a row where he had gone over 100 yards receiving. So they did a great job limiting uh, the the offense. But it was, um, again, just a real slow-paced game. Uh, I mean, the entire third quarter was just nothing but punting. So it wasn't really <laughs> – there was a lot to be desired when it came to uh, betting on this game, and hopefully you bet the under. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I mean, essentially, once that fumble happened, that was the end of the game. Uh, I mean, it was just you know pretty ridiculous, and it, the offense was just sputtering. Jim Bob Cooter wasn't very creative, and, I mean, I, I've probably honestly talked about this game more than it even deserves to be. <laughs> All right, going forward, we're at the midway point here in the season. Your team sits at three and five, bottom of the division, looking up at everybody else. Uh, any positive spins or outlooks you can, you know, have for the final seven games of this, uh, seven, eight games of the season going forward? Well, I mean, it's tough. The, uh, the schedule gets a little tougher. I mean, I know that we have to play the Vikings again. Uh, I just the NFC North as a whole is pretty brutal. And, you know, we have the, Rams on the schedule the first game in December so I mean there's when you look ahead at the at the games that we have I mean there's yeah there's some that are winnable but there's really not a whole out a whole lot out there to be optimistic about all right well thanks again Josh for checking in with us today again final score Minnesota 24 Detroit 9 all right, we're going to keep it rolling here. And the game that saw the Washington football team fall to the Atlanta Falcons, 38-14. I have MJ here on the line. Uh, MJ, great win. Team got to 500. Looks like you all played some defense today. Uh, thoughts on the game and how it went? So, honestly, I was very confident going into this game that we would win. I wasn't – I thought the game would be closer. Um I was very confident that the run defense would hold Adrian Peterson to a, we'll just say a manageable amount of yards, mostly because of how well we did against the Giants and Saquon Barkley. Um, the other thing about, about Washington is they're not a come-from-behind-and-win team. The two games, or I guess the three games at this point now that they lost, are all games where they started out behind. Um, from that perspective, it, or actually, let me say, Washington is built like an old-school football team. They pound the rock. They're not a pass-down-the-field team because when I look at their receiving core, not that those guys aren't good, they're just not 
they're not good enough to be a come-from-behind-and-win team. All right. Now, I'm looking at the box score here. Is this correct? Julio Jones scored a touchdown today? He got his first touchdown today. That is correct. First touchdown in, oh, uh, this was what? Because actually they ran a stat during the game. I want to say it was 80, was it 89 pass attempts or pass receptions? Whatever the stat, no, I'm sorry. It was, yeah, yeah, I think it was pass receptions. But, yes, he got his first touchdown. And there were three other receivers that they listed that hadn't had any touchdowns yet that when you look at those names, you're like, wait, none of y'all have any touchdowns? Uh, you mentioned Adrian Peterson here, nine carries, 17 yards. Running as a whole, the team uh, only had 79 yards rushing for Washington. Um, doesn't look like too much else took place today. I mean, Alex Smith had 306 yards passing. I'm guessing a lot of that was probably in garbage time at the end uh, after the final score. But, you know, with your squad decimated on defense, we saw that Deion Jones was just put on injury reserve this week. And, of course, you lost both starting safeties early in the season. Um, speak to just the defense as a whole as far as containing not just Adrian Peterson, but keeping Alex Smith and his passing game in check. So one of the things I think that did that, – that one of the things I think we did really, really well was containing Adrian Peterson. A big part of that was we had Grady Jarrett back. Grady Jarrett going up the middle, putting that pressure on on Alex, as well as giving uh, as giving the pass rush time to get to him, took him out of his game. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that the defense played fantastic because they didn't, but they did do well. They held the run and they made the pass. I'm not going to say non-existent, but it wasn't a difference maker. All right. And if you had to take one positive thing to say about Washington in this game as far as how they performed today, what would it be? You know what? One positive thing actually would be, I would say, is Alex Smith's performance. Um, you mentioned earlier about how his, a lot of his yards came in garbage time, and he had some pretty decent numbers throughout the game, and he ripped us for a good run. I forget how many yards it was. I want to say it may have been around 15 or 18 yards. Um, 22. That he, How many? 22 yards. Yeah, yeah, he ripped us for a good 22-yard run. He took a savage hit for it, though, but I give him credit. Alex Smith played a damn good game today. They just didn't play well enough. All right, um, so your team gets to 500, uh, along with the several other teams, including Philadelphia, is also at 500 at this point in the season. Outlook for the rest of the season as far as your division goes with the Saints and the Panthers still ahead of you by several games. Um, at this point, I see us finishing second in the division. Um, re to be realistic, I see us at second in the division, which puts us in the hunt for a wild card spot for the playoffs. Um, but we have seen wild card spots go deep into the playoffs. Um, considering we'll get Deion Jones back at week, I think the Dallas game is when we get him back, because when you're on IR, I think you have to miss eight games, not just eight weeks. Um, and one positive was that Deion Jones was actually at practice this week. So we'll get him back later in the season. Like I said, I think it's the Dallas game. And I really do like our chances at this point, just being realistic, to get a, to get a wild card spot. And if we can get as many, as many of the guys healthy for that wild card spot, I think we'll do okay in the playoffs. And, again, this is, this is the realistic me, not the – the 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 outlandish me 
but the realistic me. <laughs> All right, MJ, thanks a lot for calling in. Again, final score here, 38-14, Atlanta over Washington. I'm just going to wrap this one up here. That's going to do it for another episode of the Next Fan Up podcast. Thank you to all the super fans for contributing. Thank you to the listener. We really appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, please spread the word. You can tweet us at NFU Podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you like to find your podcast. Tell a friend about us as well. We're always looking to grow the show. If you want to email us, please do nextfanup at gmail.com. You can also find our website, nextfanup.wordpress.com. And if you have a 5 o'clock shadow you are trying to deal with, go to Harrys.com slash next fan up. Show our sponsors some love as well. With that, I'm going to turn it over to Landry Jones. There you have it. Next week will be next week. Today I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to go back home and, and hang out.